0: A few weeks ago, I was listening to a brief portion of a talk by Sister Miriam James Heidland, who's a member of uh, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, and uh, and she's a very uh, a tremendously good speaker and is able to just kind of cut to the heart of of uh, kind of the human issues and, uh, and and our relationship with our Lord. And she was talking about forgiveness. And she pointed out this passage in the catechism, which I've read and uh, just, not, uh, just hasn't hit me in the way in which she uh, was able to uh, uh, point it out in, in her talk. And I only listened to a brief portion of it. And it's just kind of been uh, sitting there and just kind of speaking to me over, over these last few weeks. I want to share it with you. Uh, this is actually completely separate from the rest of the homily, but I, I felt it important to share. And it's in paragraph uh, 2843. Uh, I encourage you to go and read this whole section on forgiveness in the Catechism, beginning in 2838 and ending with 2845. It's in the section on prayer and in the explanation of the, of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, and on the petition of, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the Catechism says this, Thus the Lord's words on forgiveness... The love that loves to the end become a living reality. The parable of the merciless servant which crowns the Lord's teaching on ecclesial communion ends with these words. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It is there, in fact, in the depths of a heart, that everything is bound and loosed. It is not in our power not to feel... Or to forget an offense, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. And I bring that up because I've been asked about forgiveness uh, many times, and, and many people come to me asking, Father, how do I know that I have forgiven? And I think this catechism is very clear. The, the feelings of hurt and the feelings of, of maybe uh, anger uh, towards someone that hurts us continue. But that doesn't mean that we can't turn those feelings into compassion, which turn us to intercession for that person. So go home and take some time and read those paragraphs in the catechism. You can find it online, or, or hopefully you have a catechism at home. It's paragraphs 2838 28, As you know, I spoke about virtue last week and kind of alluded to it the week before that. If you remember, uh, two weeks ago I spoke about how we are to take on the nature of the beloved. As God took on our nature in order to redeem us, we are called back to the nature of God and we're called to love God in a manner in which we become like him. We're created in his image and likeness. We're called to continue to live out of that image and likeness in the world today. And last week I spoke about the virtues, the definition of virtue in a particular way. So I go out the classical definition of virtue from Cicero, that it's a participation in the participation in the excellence of the perfection of the thing. And that perfection of the thing, the perfection of us, is then living out that image and likeness of God uh, to which we are called and in which we are created. And then the Catechism also defines it as an an habitual uh, habitual disposition uh, to to do the good. And so just kind of combining those definitions, we realize that we are called to be in God. And that we are called to live this out in our life. And ultimately lead us to happiness and to beatitude with our God in heaven. And so virtues are kind of categorized into two categories, the human virtues and the theological virtues. The human virtues are then broken down into, uh, the human virtues are the cardinal virtues, and these cardinal virtues are broken down into intellectual and moral virtues. So what are human virtues? Human virtues are firm attitudes, stable dispositions, habitual perfections of intellect and will that govern our actions, order our passions, and guide our conduct according to reason and faith. They make, possible e- they make possible ease, self-mastery, and joy in leading a morally good life. The virtuous man is he who freely practices the good. The moral virtues are acquired by human effort. They are the fruit and seed of morally good acts. That dispose all the powers of the human being for communion with divine love. So I think it's important to know in the human virtues that it begins in our reason. Begins in our intellect. And it begins in our intellect with ultimately prudence. Prudence is uh, the virtue that is kind of the, the virtue upon which all the other virtues rely, rely upon. And so... When it begins in the reason because we have to know what is good, we have to know the good, and we participate in the good as so far as we know the good, and then we try and conform our will to doing the good in our life. And so these human virtues that we rely upon in order to do this is the cardinal virtues. Cardinal comes from the uh, word "cardo, which means hinge. So all of the other virtues are hinged upon these cardinal virtues. And these cardinal virtues play the pivotal role in all of the other virtues, and they are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. These are the human, these are the human virtues that form our humanity, form our will, availing us in a deeper way to the grace of God, to what God wants to do in our life. There's a theological principle that we call grace builds on nature. So the more that our nature is availed to the grace of God, the more that our nature begins to be more like God, the more that we open ourselves to the grace of God. And so the more that we practice the virtues, the more that we become like him whom we are called to be, and the more grace that then we can receive. Bishop Barron speaks about this. He calls it the principle principle of grace is what he calls it. And he talks about particularly in love. Love is not meant to be kept to ourselves. Love is meant to be given away. Love is meant to be poured out. The more that we hoard it, the more that we keep it to ourselves, the less of it that we actually receive and the more that we turn in on ourselves and really only love ourselves the more that we give it away the more that we love others the more that we open ourselves to receive more grace and more love from god so that then we can then continue to give that away that's why we when we look at the lives of the saints for instance mother teresa or john paul ii we see that mother teresa had such an intense prayer life and the intensity of that prayer life drove her to a deeper love of God. And that deeper love of God was transferred to the people that she served who were laying in the gutters of the streets. And she was able to pour herself out and to look, and to look past their injuries, to look past their, really, and a lot of them were living in very gross situations, and she would pick them up and carry them back to her home, back to the house where she cared for them, clean them up, And give them a dignified life while they lived in her home. But that was only possible because she availed herself, opened herself to the love of God. And the more that she poured herself out in love, the more grace that God gave her to love even more. And so those cardinal virtues then are divided into the intellectual and the moral virtues. Prudence is the intellectual virtue. It's the intellectual virtue because we have to take the time to learn what is good, to learn and to avoid evil. So when our intellect comes to know the good, we do our best to align ourselves with that good. To know what the good is, we have to spend time and study. It requires for us to to read the scriptures, to read the catechism, to read the lives of the saints so we know what it is that we are seeking in our life. What is that good that we are seeking? But we also read so that we can know what is evil and the things that we need to be avoiding as Catholics so we don't fall into sin and so that, and so that we are not taken away from the good that we are trying to achieve. And then the moral virtues are justice, uh, fortitude, and temperance. And I'll talk more about them next week. Human virtues acquired by education, by deliberate acts, and by perseverance ever-renewed and repeated efforts are purified and elevated by divine grace. With God's help, they forge character and give facility in the practice of the good. The virtuous man is happy to practice them. So when we look at a human being and we say that person is of good character or that is a good person, what we're really saying is that it's a person of virtue, a person who has achieved some aspect of these cardinal virtues and we ultimately see them as good and we see how they live them out in their life. It's easy for us to be able to point them out in our lives. Sometimes we come up against someone who is more virtuous than than us. And we can kind of feel, and we can kind of feel that difference between them and us. And we are often challenged to live more like them. And when we surround ourselves with those people who are more virtuous than us, we are really pulled into that so that we also then desire that virtue as well. And then there are the theological virtues, which many of you are probably very aware of. The human virtues are rooted in the theological virtues. Which adapt man's faculties for participation in the divine nature. For the theological virtues relate directly to God. They dispose Christians to live in a relationship with the Holy Trinity. They have the one and triune God for their origin, motive, and object. So the theological virtues are directly related to God. And the more that we grow in the virtue, in the theological virtues, the more that we become like Him. Whom we are called to be. So the theological virtues are the foundation of the Christian moral activity. They animate it, give it its special character. They inform and give life to all the moral virtues. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as His children and of meriting eternal life. They are the pledge of the presence and action of the Holy Spirit in the faculties of the human being. And they are three faith hope, and charity. The beautiful thing about the theological virtues is that they're infused in us at the moment of our baptism. And when they're infused within us at the moment of our baptism, we still have to accept them and to live out of them in our daily life. And because they are virtues, that means that it requires effort on our part for them to be used and for them to grow. And so although they may be infused within us, that means that they're never completely lost. But it means that we have to call upon the grace of God to inspire them so that they can continue to grow in our life. And so faith being a virtue, the more that we practice faithful things, the more that we do things of the faith, the more that we pray, the more that we do the works of God, the more that the faith grows within us. And the more of that faith that, that, we, that we have. So when there's a difficult situation that arises in our life that can challenge our belief in God and can challenge our faith, someone who is of deep faith, someone who has the deep virtue of faith can look at that and say, I may not know everything about this situation, but I still hold on to my faith and I still hold on to God because of my faith and because I know what he does in my life and I know what he has done in the lives of all people and how he redeems us. That faith gives us the confidence, that virtue of faith gives us the confidence through the difficult moments in our life to continue to hold on and to continue to wait and see what the Lord is doing with those difficult situations, often bringing good out of those difficult times and those suffering moments in our life. So we have the human virtues and the theological virtues. The human human virtues are those that are gained through human efforts. The theological virtues infused into our soul at the moment of our baptism, so we can live out of them and that we can be more like God whom we are called to be, to be like him, to live in him, to be like our beloved, to look and act and speak like our beloved, who is our God. So may we grow in these virtues. May we call upon God to, infu- to, to make these virtues present in our life. And may we respond to the promptings of our God, who is constantly giving us the grace to grow in each of these virtues, to become like him as we are called to be.